Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the June 23rd edition of the Connect Online Meeting. It is so very, very good to be here with you tonight. Of course, um, my name is Jonathan Jenkins, uh, joined as as is occasionally true by my co-host here, <laughs> Eric Owens. Good to see you tonight, man. How you doing? I'm good. Happy to be here on this occasion. There you, there you go. We have with us tonight uh, as our... Uh, Fill in Thursday night speaker because Greg Dismuke is away at a family funeral. Uh, my dad, Dan Jenkins, is here with us, and we'll get to that and my dad here in just a moment. It feels weird to call him Dan, so I'm not going to do that. Uh, but while we're getting started tonight, if you, you all would take a um, moment and do the things we always ask you to do, like, share, subscribe, all that stuff, hit that notification bell on all the different platforms that we are on, uh, that would be wonderful if you would do it. Um, that is uh, Facebook, YouTube, and um, Podbean tonight is where we are going. So if you are on any of those platforms, please check the uh, description of the uh, feed that you are currently uh, using, and you will find the links to all of our different social media outlets. We'd appreciate it if you would consider taking a look at each of them and seeing which ones of them work for you. Um, if you want to support the work here at Digital Bible Study, we would greatly appreciate it if you considered it. Stars and Super Chats are available to you on Facebook and YouTube. Podbean has its own system over there too as well. Uh, or you can just be a subscriber to our work here and get some added benefits throughout the uh, throughout the week. We had a couple special classes and that kind of thing for our subscribers and just a, a few added benefits here or there. Uh, but you can do that with um, uh, by subscribing at our website. You can do that over there for as little as $5 a month. Or you can join us on our local page uh, for as little as $2 a month. You can actually join us on Locals for free. And I'd encourage if you haven't signed up over there, uh, digitalbiblestudy.locals.com. Uh, you can see special announcements and things that we have for the uh, uh, for our for our community there. Um, if you want to participate, comment, and, and post things of your own to our little community page, uh, you do have to sign up to be a supporter, and that you can do for as little as two dollars a month over there on Locals. So um, if you'd consider it, we'd uh, we'd appreciate you thinking about it over there as well. Uh, starting to grow a nice little community there. We'd uh, love to have you as a as a part of it. Uh, and uh, just uh, join us over there. We'd appreciate it. Having said all that, let me uh, throw it over to Eric here tonight and let him take away his part. Well, good evening, everyone. As always, we're excited to be here with you, and we're thankful for your presence. Uh, we're going to say a word of prayer at the end of the session tonight. Um, Jonathan is going to keep a watch over the feed and ultimately lead us in that prayer. And uh, part of that prayer will include our good brother, Robbie Eversole, who is listening in the hospital his son put in. And uh, we are very thankful for that and glad that Robbie is doing well and uh, all is progressing. He's in a lot of pain. And so we certainly want to keep praying for him. Uh, and if you have prayer requests, put those in and we'll be glad to add you to that list. Again, Jonathan is going to lead us in that prayer tonight and uh, hope Robbie gets better real soon. We love you too, Robbie, and glad that you're doing well, man. Appreciate you listening with us tonight. That said, we turn our attention to our speaker. Uh, I would say friend of the program, but that wouldn't seem quite sufficient enough. Uh, father of the host, how, how about that? Something along those lines. 
great gospel preacher, uh, a faithful proclaimer. Uh, Brother Dan Jenkins is here with us tonight. Brother Dan, how are you, sir? I am doing sensational. I'm telling you, uh, that what a great way to end an evening. You know, we've been busy all day. Both of us have been busy. And now just to be able at the end of the day, just to sit down and, uh, you know, turn off the television. There's nothing on television to watch. It's like <laughs> broadcasting the same thing for the last six weeks. Turn up, you know, call up a friend and tell them to turn off their television. Go to me and watch something because it's going to be different tonight. Okay. We're not going to be exactly where we were last night or where we'll be tomorrow night. So I'm just glad to be here. And, and I, th I'm thankful for every time I get an invitation and I try to always say yes. I try not to stand in your way, and I appreciate you being here with us tonight and saying yes. We look forward to having you always and are thankful, uh, not just for tonight, but uh, we, we're thankful for your life, man, and the um, the way you've conducted it, the faithfulness to God's word, the diligence of study, and the um, passion and compassion with which you have proclaimed God's word. How long now? Could I ask how long you've been? Well, uh, in, in next month, I'll be 83 years of age. You can do the math. I have preached almost every Sunday since I was 15 years of age. So is, is that, is that 70 years? Is that 68 of them? I mean, I mean, it's amazing and everything. It, and it's just, it's really, really great to, uh, to be able to do that. I mean, uh, do you know how many mistakes I've made in, in, in 65 years of preaching? Do you know how many times I've had to apologize for what I've said? And uh, every now and then I get one right, you know. I'm, it, it's a rarity in and of itself. I was just in a meeting up in Tennessee, and it was my fourth time to be there. And so I preached uh, six sermons. I, you know, up there nearly 25 sermons. And I said, I don't know why you keep asking me back. Do you think if you ask me back often enough, I'll finally preach a good one? <laughs> and so, <laughs> and uh, so they did not ask me back again. Of course, they don't usually do this. It's one of those things they wait before they extend the invitation. But it's just, it's just great to be able to get out and to preach. Uh, you know, a lot of great things happening in the church. You get up there and you see it, and it was a, it, uh, it, it it's an exciting thing to be a part of, and. Uh, uh, the part of my life now, David Troll's doing much of the preaching here, and the church just says, Dan, we want you and Josh to get out of this building and go help any churches anywhere. That's what we were doing. That's up in Tennessee, little congregation the previous Sunday uh, when I was there. I think they had 38 members or something. They had uh, the gospel meeting. Uh, of course, I had visitors and family from other congregations, and so we began Sunday morning with, with nearly 70 people. You know what a shot in the arm that was? to that little church. And then it became not just a gospel meeting, it became a marriage seminar. And so Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, uh, the attendance was astounding. I mean, I really thought you got 38 on, on a Sunday morning. What are you going to have on a Sunday night, Wednesday night? And that might be the size crowd you have, but even their Wednesday night attendance was remarkably good. And, and, uh, uh uh, I hope it did some good. I, I went in there and I said, hey, I'm not a marriage counselor. So let's not just read all of these books. I love what Laban said about, uh, about Jacob. Jacob, I've been watching you and I have learned by experience. And I love that phrase. And if you've been preaching 60 years 
and you haven't learned anything about how to help people have a good marriage. Let me just mention this. It's off topic, but it, it's good for those who are listening. Brother Gus Nichols in marriage counseling, people would come and say, Brother Nichols, will you help us having marriage problem? I mean, we're, could you help our marriage? He said, I'm going to ask you three questions. And if the answer to any of them is no, I cannot help you. Number one, do you admit you've got a problem? Number two, do you believe right now with all of your heart that the Bible has the answer to your problems? And number three, if I take time to show you what the Bible says, will you do it? So Sunday night, as I was preparing, I said, I'm going to ask you the same questions. If your answer is any of these, don't even come back. It'll be a waste of my time and a waste of your time. And Wednesday night, I said, okay, it, it's crunch time. You hear you've evidently made the commitment. I'm going to make some changes. What changes are you going to make? And uh, so that was trying to be pointed and everything, but I just tried to talk about problems in marriage and open up the scriptures and study some verses and to apply some verses that you do not uh, normally hear. For example, off topic, pardon me for being off topic, but <laughs> is it what's Ephesians four? Is it 31? Where he says, lay aside all bitterness and and uh, and anger. And then he says, and clamor. And I thought, man, uh, how do I drive this home? So I just took my Bible over to an individual. And, and I said, you, uh, my Bible's got marginal reading. Do you know what clamor is? And he looked at me and I looked at the church. Nobody knew. God said, got to lay it aside. And I went over there and I said, is your eyesight good enough to read this? And he said, yes. And then he took out his glasses and put them on. So I guess he, I guess he read it real. You know what clamor is? Loud arguing. And man, in marriage counseling, when people say, mm -hmm. you show me what God says about marriage and God says, lay aside clamoring. No, no, that's not what he says. You lay aside all clamoring. You want to change your marriage? then commit yourself to doing what God says. And that's the whole approach in that. And it was, it was different. And, uh, uh, because I'm not smart enough to preach anyway, other than just try to get it down common where folks can grab a hold of what brother Nichols said, and boys, when you preach, put it down where the calves can get it. The cows will find it. Love every bit of that kind of philosophy about preaching. Yes, sir. Uh, listen, we could have you preach about marriage tonight, but I know you have a title. Yeah. That's uh, sermon number one. So <laughs> I, I was like the pre the pre sermon to the sermon. <laughs> yeah, I'm, so you're ready for sermon number two. Then is that what you're, what you're saying? <laughs> yes, it, it's entitled Eric. It's inside. It's entitled "Just Do It." Dash his way. Just do it his way. Well, certainly that would include marriage, but I feel like you have much more to expand on that. And uh, I'm taking up your time. So I'm going to step away. Jonathan's going to give you the floor and, and you can take off. Yep. That is yours. Go ahead and start uh, preaching whenever you're ready. All right. Uh, I'm assuming I stop at five minutes till. And uh, uh, if not, just send me a text message or something like that. <laughs> and so, so they'll give you a few minutes to wrap all of this up. But let's get started. There was a president's wife. I forget exactly who it was. I think it was one of the wives of, of uh, of President Bush. I'm not even sure which Bush it was, but she was talking about how to accomplish things. 
and she used a slogan in relationship to, I believe it was in relationship to drugs and something along that line, but she used the expression, just do it. What an amazing, what an amazing concept. And it's a biblical concept. Go back to the first miracle that Jesus ever did. It's in Cana of Galilee. They've run out of wine and, 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 uh, uh, uh they, Mary comes and says to Joseph, they're out of wine. And Jesus says, what's that to me? But Jesus being the compassionate person that he was, his mother turned to the servants there and, and listened to her words. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. Do you know there are phrases in the Bible that can transform our lives? And this, here's one of them. Whatever Jesus tells me to do, do it. And so here's the approach we're going to take. We're going to talk about a little bit about the authority that Jesus had and the message that he has in relationship to this. We're going to talk about the fact that whenever he spoke, it was my doctrine is not mine, but it is his that sent me. And we're going to talk about the words that he spoke and what he did with those words and, and, and how he gave these words to others. And we stand not as servants there at a, at a wedding feast in Canaan of Galilee. We stand in the presence of God almighty and the principle by which we need to live our lives, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Could I beg every one of you who's listening to write these words on your heart? Whatever he tells you to do, do it. Well, why? Well, to, to, to combine a couple of places, in Deuteronomy chapter 18, Moses is within the last 30 days of his life. It may be the last week of his life, depending on how you divide the, the book of Deuteronomy. And in chapter 18, Moses, knowing that he he's going to die, says to the nation of Israel, speaking for God, I will raise up from among your brethren a prophet. The Lord will raise up a prophet like me. That's Moses speaking, speaking for God. And then he says, and I, Jehovah God speaking, I will put my words in his mouth. I want you to look at that. If you did not notice that S on the word words, I would urge you right this minute, open your Bible, Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 18, Take some kind of marker and mark that S. Jesus came to speak, to speak for God, to more than just to speak the word of God. He came to speak the words of God. You've got to understand the impact and the force of that very statement. Whenever, whenever God says, look, someday I'm going to send the Messiah. He's going to be a prophet like Moses. Moses gave the old law. 
that second prophet, Jesus, he's going to, he's going to bring the new law. It's going to be like Moses. And like Moses went up into the mountain, and when Moses walked off of that mountain, he had those tablets of stones. Now, he had the word of God on, the, in the, on those tablets, but stop for long enough to recognize that he had more than just having the word of God. Those words on that tablet were words spoken specifically by God. Moses came off of that mountain, and when Moses came off of that mountain, he held in his hands not just the word of God, he held in his hands the words of God. So if you've been at the foot of that mountain and Moses has had to hand those tablets to somebody, I'm talking about the second time when he comes down, we know what happened the first time, but when he came down the second time, he held in his hand on those tablets, not just generically. Well, Moses, God gave his word to Moses. No, God gave his words to Moses. Now, when Jesus comes, when Jesus comes and whenever he speaks, what is he speaking? He's fulfilling the promise of God Almighty who cannot lie. And the Lord says in Deuteronomy 18, Jehovah God says in Deuteronomy 18, that when he is speaking, he will speak the very words that I've given. And so whenever Jesus comes and he begins to preach, my doctrine is not mine, he says in the book of John. My doctrine, my doctrine is from the one that sent me. But it's not generic. It is not that Jesus came to bring the word of God to the people after the cross. It's far deeper than that. And that is, he brought the very words of God. Now in John 17, Jesus in that model prayer talks about in this prayer for unity and oh, how well do we know John 20, you know, the, the verses where he prays, those that believe on me, believe on me through their words, that they might be one, that, that they may have the unity that we have, the, the unity I have with you, the Father in heaven, and the unity you have with me. And, and there'll be people that will hear them speak. And whenever they hear me speak, whenever they hear these apostles speak, I pray, Father, that those who believe on me may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. You know what Jesus says in John 17? Not that the word singular that you gave to me, he's praying to the Father. He says, not just you've given me your word singular, he says, you've given me your words. You've given me your words. And I have given these words 
to these apostles. And so just like those individuals who stood at the foot of the mountain and whoever it was that was enabled to hold the words of God when they held in their hand the tablets of stone, then when I hold the words of the apostles, it's not the words of the apostles. I have given them not your word in a generic sense. I have given them your words. And so when I hold in my hand the writing of apostles like Matthew and John, I have absolute assurance that I hold in my hand right now just as much as the assurance that we gave to that individual who received the tablets of stone at the foot of Mount Sinai, I hold in my hands the very words of God. And oh, how important it is that we understand the abiding nature of these words. In Matthew chapter 24, Verse 34 and 35, Jesus says, I guess it's probably get to 36 to get to it. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words, you see that S in that verse? My words will not pass away. You know, if you were able to hold those tables of stone that that tablets of stone that Moses brought from that mountain, if a thousand years later those tablets were still there and you picked up those tablets, you know what you would hold in your hand? The very words of God. Now when Jesus says, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words in the plural shall not pass away. You've got to understand that a thousand years later, when I pick up these words that are inside this book, I hold in my hand, not in a generic way, the word of God. I hold in my hands the words of God. Now to ensure to ensure that his words would abide in John chapter 14, 15, and 16. Jesus says to the apostles, I'm going to go away. You will not be left alone by here. You've had me to comfort you. And uh, I'm going to send you another comforter. You know what that comforter is going to do? He's going to bring to your remembrance. When the Holy Spirit, that other comforter, the comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, when he comes, John 16, 13, he will guide you into all truth. He says, when that comforter comes, he will bring to your remembrance, not just my word. He will bring to your remembrance everything that I've said to you. You understand the implications of that? 
Do you understand how that gives credence to this concept that whenever I begin to look at these words, that I have the words of Jesus because the Holy Spirit came to these individuals and brought to their remembrance every single thing that Jesus said. In addition to that, he ascended into heaven and Jesus said, when he ascended in, when, when he ascended into heaven, I will send the Holy Spirit to you. I will send that comforter to you. And when he comes, he will guide you into all truth. That's 16, 13. You go back just three or four verses ahead of before that. And Jesus said, I've got some things I want to tell you about, but you're not able to receive them. They couldn't understand why he came the first time, much less could they understand the nature of the kingdom and the nature of the church that was about to be established. But he says, I've got some more things. I've told you so many things and every word that I've said, every one of those words is going to abide. But he says, there's more I need to tell you. And here's the plan. When I ascend back to my father, you see, in chapter 14, Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. I go to prepare a place for you. And in verse six, he says, and that path, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the father except by me. That's an affirmation that they were a part of the revealing of these additional truths. How much additional truth was revealed? Chapter 16, verse 13. He will guide you into all truth. Isn't, isn't that remarkable? I mean, there, there are so many verses here in the book of John and, and we're limited on time in relationship to everything that, that needs to be said. He who rejects me and receives not my words. That's John chapter 12 and verse 48. Jesus has preached. He said it to the people there, but remember his words are going to abide. And so the rejecting of his words was not just those who heard him speak them in the first century. We now hold into our hand the very words of God. And verse 48 says, he who rejects me and receive not my words has one that judges him. You know what's going to judge him? My words. You see the plural? You reject my words. You have one that judges you. Now, should it be any wonder at all that right before Jesus ascended back into heaven, he gave the great commission. These apostles get, were gathered to him, Matthew chapter 28. And so he says, all authority has been given unto me in heaven and in earth. Therefore, wait a minute. When you see the word therefore in the text, you need to 
read what has just been said. And what has just been said is every bit of authority there is has been given to me. Not just on this earth, not just every place, but every place in heaven, all authority in heaven and in earth has been given unto me. And so he says, go make disciples. How do you disciple someone? I know sometimes people talk about discipling others. Would you let Jesus tell you how you disciple someone? You go and make disciples, teaching them and baptizing them. You see, two things are involved in making someone to be a disciple. How you disciple someone? Well, it's obvious you baptize them. That's what the Great Commission is all about. No, no, there's another part of that. You not only baptize them, you teach them to observe whatever I have commanded you. All things, whatever I have commanded you. And so Jesus ascends into heaven and the Holy Spirit comes, that comforter comes. And when that comforter comes, he comes on the apostles to bring to their remembrance everything Jesus has said. When that Holy Spirit comes, he comes to guide them into all of the truth, things that Jesus could not give because they could not receive them. You cannot receive them now, he says. But when the comforter comes, you're going to receive them. How much of the truth are you going to receive? You are going to receive every bit of the truth there is. And so on the day of Pentecost, when those individuals were listening, the words that they spoke, Listen, they did not just speak the word of God. They spake the words of God. How do I know that? The first five verses of Acts chapter two. Jesus had told them back in chapter one, you go into the city, you wait there because, you know, the Holy Spirit's going to come. And he's already told them when he comes, he's going to guide you into all the truth. He's going to bring your remembrance, whatever I've told you. He's going to lead you into all of the truth so that you'll be the recipients of the, all the truth and you can write these things down. The Holy Spirit came upon them and they began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. Can I point out something to you? that when they begin to speak all of this other, all of these other language, they spoke these other languages perfectly. You remember the response? How hear we every man in the language in which we were born? Those apostles were not necessarily bilingual. When the Holy Spirit came upon them, the Holy Spirit took over control of their mouth, their lips, their teeth, 
their tongue, the very location of each, each of those inside the mouth and in various languages, the teeth and the tongue and the, and everything that is involved gets into a different place to make the different sounds for all of these language. You know what God did? He gave them the ability to fluently speak. The only way you can give somebody that kind of ability is to give them every word in those languages. And so those that heard the words, they were saying, you know, he's talking, uh, uh, he's talking my language. He's talking the language of, of, of Persia, but he's got, he's got a terrible Jewish accent or he's speaking the language of those of Mesopotamia. But my, oh my, he speaks with a Galilean accent. That's not what happened. The Lord took over the, the functions that are involved in speech, and that is lips and tongues and teeth, and the placement of all of those sounds, the vocal cords. And when people heard it, they said, they're speaking our dialects. We hear this in the very dialect, the very language in which we were born. You know how that, the only way that could happen would be for the apostles standing there that day to receive, not in a generic way, the word of God. And then they, Peter, you express it in your way, and James and John and Andrew, each of you take and put your own twist on it. There were no twists that day. And every person there, there were devout men from every nation under heaven. And every person assembled there that day heard men who had not learned to speak any of these foreign languages speak perfectly in every one of the dialects the languages that were there, so much so that they said every single person that is hearing is hearing the language in the language in which he was born. How could that happen? Jesus says to the Father, you've given me your words, and I've given my words to the apostles. And the Lord, did he not tell them that when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you don't have to think about what you're going to say when you're brought before the Kings and they make all of these charges again, you against you don't give it a second thought. When you stand there before the King, before the magistrates, but before the Sanhedrin, don't give it a second thought because it will given be given to you what you should say not in some generic way. It will be given to you what? The what is everything. It's not that the Lord says, well, one possible way you can answer this charge or one twist that you could put on this. Oh, no. When you stand before that king, don't you take a second thought at all. It'll be given to you in that hour what you should say. That's what they say that day. When in verse 36, 
they were getting near the end of that sermon. The sermon, we call it Peter's sermon in Acts 2. That's really a misnomer. That's not Peter's sermon in Acts 2. You know what Peter was? A mouthpiece. God took Peter's mouth, took over Peter's mouth, and Peter spake as the Spirit gave him the utterance. Everything that he uttered that day was given by the Holy Spirit. So when they got to the end, of, near the end of that sermon, the Holy Spirit says, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified has made him Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and they said to Peter and the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Wait a minute. That's sort of where we began this lesson, isn't it? What shall we do? Not about the water and the wine, but the admonition that we're taking from the words of Mary, the mother of Jesus, whatever he tells you to do, do it. And so whenever they said, what shall we do? It's amazing. It's not there saying, okay, give me a checklist. On the Sabbath, I only go so many miles. Give me a checklist. You know, I, I've got to wash my hands in some particular way. I've got to, I, I've got to keep those three yearly feasts. Uh, Jesus, give me one other thing to put on my checklist. That's not what they were saying. You step back from that passage and you read the whole flow of the passage, and the flow of the passage is, you kill God's son. They're not asking for a checklist. They're not saying, give me one other commandment that might be in the Bible. That's not what they're asking. We kill God's son. What shall we do? And you know Peter's answer? It's not Peter. We saw it, Peter's answer, because verse 36, Peter and, and uh, uh, they said, men and brethren, what shall we do? And, and Peter answers. But it's the words of the Holy Spirit. And he says, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus. You know how the Bible uses the expression in the name of? We use that expression. Uh, uh, the British use it more commonly than we do. It used to be a radio program that involved the Canadian, the Canadian mountains. It was on radio, but near the end, they'd find the criminal and they would confront the criminal and they said, and we arrest you in the name of the crown. You're under arrest but you're not under arrest by us, by those mountains who've been sent and who have confronted you. 
You are not under arrest. You're under arrest in the name of the crown. The king of England has given us the authority. And so what we say to you in the name of the crown, it's like the king himself is standing here. Now put that and make that application that we understand in relationship to Canadian Mounties and bring it over and put it in relationship to Jesus Christ. You repent and you be baptized, not in the name of the crown. You repent and you be baptized in the name of Jesus. Now then, they're confronted with it. They've got to make a decision. They've killed the Son of God, and they're told if you want the remission of sins, you've got to repent. You're going to, I'm about to tell you what God wants you to do, and you need to understand that when I tell you what you need to do, you need in your heart to have already made up your minds. That I'm going to do what God says. We killed God's son. What shall we do? You want to have the remission of your sins? In the name of Jesus. Not the king of England. But the king of the king of the earth. The king of all kings. The king over all of heaven. All authority has been given unto me in heaven and in earth. And they're confronted. What shall we do? You know what Mary could have said to them had Mary been there? Whatever he tells you to do, do it. Are you surprised as you read this simple story we've heard? How many times you heard this story about Pentecost? Verse 41 says, Then they that gladly received the word. Singular. Why? They had the word of God given to them. It's more than that but they had the words of God given to them. They that gladly received the word were baptized. You see, you're confronted with it. When I come face to face with a decision that involves me and God, when I come face to face in a Bible study or when I'm sitting in a church building or in a Bible class, or I'm just talking to somebody in their home and they open up the Bible and they say, one of the things that I commonly do in Bible studies, Dan, what do you think about this? Dan, what does the church of Christ teach about this? I don't answer their question. 
say to them, and I'd say it to those of you who are watching, when you get in that same situation, well, what do you believe about this? What does the Church of Christ believe about this? A far better way to answer that question is, would you like for me to show you what the Bible says about it? You know what that implies? I'm going to take time to tell you what God says. And when I said, would you like for me to show you what God says about this? Their answer, yes, means I am very much interested in learning what God says about this. Now, there were 3,000 who obeyed the gospel. You need to understand that that's an amazing number. One reason it was so amazing is the results. Well, why don't we baptize 3,000 people in one day? I'll tell you exactly why. There were gathered at Jerusalem, Acts chapter 2, devout Jews from every nation under heaven. In that city, reading some of the writings of Josephus, a Jewish historian of the first century, he indicates very readily that there could have been a million Jews assembled in that city. What kind of Jews are they? The most devout, God-fearing, God-believing, they're willing to travel a thousand miles to come to that feast that God had commanded. And so if you got a million people and you baptize maybe 3,000 of them, that's not a very large percentage. And the reason we don't have 3,000 baptisms in a day, we've never been able to assemble one million of the most devout God-fearing people on this earth in one, in one audience. The nature of the Great Commission is to go preach the gospel to every creature. And most of the conversions and most of the opportunities that we have to teach others is one-on-one. -on -one. But when we're teaching others we need to present it in such a way that they recognize this is not what the church of Christ teaches. Dan, is this, it doesn't make a difference what I believe about it. What does the Bible say? And the application of this lesson is the very name of this lesson. Just do his will. Just do it his way. I quoted verse 41. You know what verse 42 says? It happened after they were baptized. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' teachings. King James the apostles' doctrine. What does that mean? 
It means that on the day of Pentecost, they started obeying the apostles' teachings. You can't continue in something that you have not already started. And so on the day of Pentecost, they embraced the teachings of the apostles. Now we've already established those are the very words of Jesus they embraced. Those are the very things that the Holy Spirit gave to the apostles that were a part of all the truth. You know what happened the next day? There were many things they had to learn. And so as they learned those things, they said, that's what we're going to do. The apostles teaching about fellowship, about the breaking of bread, the Lord's Supper. I know they broke their bread from house to house, but man, oh man, the whole part of the doctrine that, that became a part of every congregation and church of Christ everywhere on this earth was every Sunday they came together to have the Lord's Supper and they continued steadfastly in the breaking of bread. And in the prayers, how do you pray? Lord, teach us how to pray. As John taught his disciples to pray. The apostles who've been praying all their life heard Jesus pray one prayer. And they came to Jesus and said, Lord, teach us how to pray. Like John the Baptist taught his disciples how to pray. We don't know how to pray. Well, the Holy Spirit through the words of Jesus that are recorded by these apostles and through the teachings of Jesus, we are thoroughly supplied unto every good work. It's rather ironic. Sometimes we say it wrong. Well, I don't know what I should pray. Then you need to study the Bible some more. You pray what you wish to happen. That's what Jesus prayed in Gethsemane, and he ended that prayer by saying, not my will, but your will be done. It's only until the New Testament is written that anybody says, well, let's don't know how to pray. Then you need to get down and read what Jesus taught them when he taught them how to pray and what those apostles taught others about how to pray. Now you take that, apply it to the Lord's Supper, apply it to prayer, apply it to every problem in the church today. The role of women? What's the role of women in the church? Go to Jesus. Go to the writings of those Holy Spirit-inspired authors of the Bible and say, what did Jesus say? What was taught in the name of Jesus? And then say to them, let's do it. Whatever he tells you to do, let's do it. Let's do it his way. What a great truth that is. I saw a comment there by Jewel. Jewel, great comment. You go to those people who are unbelievers. Are you aware 
that more than 97% of the people that heard that message on Pentecost were hard-hearted. Yet that didn't keep them from teaching it. It's my obligation not to go baptize everybody, but to go to every person, even to hard-hearted people, and say, have you ever thought about Jesus as the Son of God? Give them the opportunity, and if they choose to go to hell, they've got a problem. Not you. Why? You did what Jesus told you to do. Did not mean to add this in, but, but Joel looked over and saw that comment, and what a great comment that is. That's what I've faced in my life, all of my life. I thought if I talked to somebody and they were baptized, I was a failure. Let me tell you, when I've tried to study with somebody and they refused, I'm 100% successful. Because the kingdom of heaven is a man who takes the seed and throws it on, way, on wayside soil that we considered as being wasted. Well, I told Jonathan and Eric, I'll stop at five minutes till, and I've got uh, another 20 seconds before I'm four minutes till the hour. Let me just say to all of you, thank you for listening tonight. Take these words and use them. May they be a blessing to you. Pray that God will give those of us who have the opportunity to proclaim the word of God, to faithfully say to people, let's do it. Let's do it his way. Thank you very much. Thank you for being here tonight. Brother Dan, thank you as always for being here tonight. Um, I don't, I think I'm going to work on it, but I'm not sure. Probably not. So outstanding. <laughs> Just outstanding. Uh, I'm not coming up with other synonyms. It was excellent, if somebody prefers that one. Uh, great, if you like that. But outstanding is uh, is my word of choice, and I think that aptly fits what we heard tonight. Um, thank you for being with us, uh, and thank you for being the treasure that you are. Uh, and uh, thank you for your life and your commitment to the cause. You're a great encouragement uh, to preachers and to members and uh, the comments are, are shared by us all. Thank you for being here tonight. Did an outstanding job. We sure appreciate you. Thank you very much. Jonathan, I think you're muted. I am. I see. I have to mute my microphone now because of the audio feed, and it's and I always forget to turn it back on when I come back in. But uh, I absolutely appreciate that, Dad. Uh, outstanding job. And you did uh, what you said in the opening about put it down where the uh, calves can get it, calves can get it, and the cows will find it. You, you certainly did that tonight, and I brought out some very important points. And uh, um, if y'all are with me on from the deep end, if you haven't figured it out now, my insistence on paying attention to every little word, and whether that word sometimes is singular or plural, I come by it honestly, because I was taught it by somebody sitting on this. Uh, on this panel right here about pay attention to every word of the verse and the tense of each verb and the word, the word singular or plural, make sure you pay attention to it. And a lot of that lesson was built on some of those principles. So uh, I appreciate it, dad. Uh, thank, thanks again for coming on and filling in for Greg uh, on fairly short notice. Thank you.
All right. Well, we'll say good night to you and we'll let you go. And uh, uh, when, when's mom's surgery coming up? I don't think you heard me. All right, Dad. We'll talk to you later, man. Bye-bye. All right. Mom, my mom's got a surgery coming up at some point. I don't know when it is. So back back surgery, another one. Um, yeah. Yeah. So she's had she's had a bunch of them over the years. So I know she's got another one coming up soon. Um, well, let's turn our attention to the uh prayer request. And uh they are voluminous tonight. Is that the proper word? There's a lot of them. Um that's a good word. I was just looking at Jewel's comment. She said she had a great teacher. His name was Jerry Jenkins. So <laughs> there you go. Uh, he is a pretty good one too. He was a he's a pretty good one. Um, although I didn't ever hear Uncle Jerry preach that often. I probably only heard a small handful of sermons. Um because hmm. I was always with my dad and they were both always preaching, and he never took time off to go see his brother right across town when we were in Alabama together. So I didn't get to hear that many of Uncle Jerry's sermons, but I uh, heard, heard them on occasion, but not, not as many as you might think. Uh, anyway, uh, well, obviously we've got Robbie, uh, need to remember. Uh, so uh, let's keep him in our prayers. We will tonight. Uh, Sue is uh, saying she's uh, wants to give God thanks. Um, to be home back, back home safely. She had a stable uh, PET scan uh, and is, um, um, with uh pan with metastasis still still to the some to st still to the same place as it had been hadn't grown or moved uh, and got good blood work um sandra is saying that her husband gary will be having triple bypass back bypass surgery next wednesday uh and uh obviously gives a um um a good report about Robbie because that's a very similar thing that Robbie was going through. Uh, Jewel is asking us to pray for her. Uh, she's having a pet stress test for her heart. Uh, had one yesterday, rather. Uh, praying that the results come back good. She said it was painful but bearable. I did get a <laughs> good night's rest from being uh, just exhausted. So, uh, uh, Joshua is asking us to keep his brother in Christ, Patrick, in prayers. Uh, he injured his shoulder and it's called COVID and he has very severe symptoms. Um, so we will keep Patrick in our prayers. Trish is asking us to pray for their song leader, uh, somewhere she attends worship. Uh, his name is Joel uh, and he has cancer treatments that are underway. Um, Connie's asking us to pray for Christina. Uh, the radiation did not shrink um, her um cancer tumor and it lifts scar tissue encroaching on her airway. That doesn't sound very good at all. Uh, Joyce is asking us to pray for Pamela. Uh, she is the wife of their new preacher. Uh, she has been hospitalized for several days and I think I saw a couple others come in just right now, didn't I? Um, Phyllis is asking us to pray for um, back surgery um, and that she is having and then Anne is asking us to pray for Karen, who was diagnosed with uh, lung cancer and is going to be having uh, surgery about that soon, or for that rather soon. So that is one or two prayer requests tonight. <laughs> I prayed Tuesday. Yeah, you did. It's my turn. So that's the way this works is 
you show up once every three weeks and then we, okay. <laughs> I'm just messing, I'm just messing with you, man. <laughs> but hey, I heard you Tuesday almost incredulous say there's only one. There's <laughs> Oh, they must have heard me. They must have heard me say everything for tonight. There you go. <laughs> uh, you know, it's because you know, absence makes the heart grow fonder, and you're, you've been gone so much lately. You you have become their favorite. I think that's what it is. I think that's what this is. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody, let's have a word of prayer together. Holy Father, I thank you this, for this evening and for the encouragement we've had to. Uh, hear the word of your son and to uh, make sure that we do it in just the way that he wants it to do wants it done we thank you for dan and his uh, reminding of us that tonight and, and showing us those things from your word we give you thanks for uh, uh, his dedication and his long life of service and we pray that uh, he has many more opportunities to proclaim your word once again uh, father we have several uh requests that we want to bring before you tonight uh, obviously we're mindful of our um, good friend robbie Thankful for the good news, a good report, and um, hopefully he is uh, uh, going to continue to improve and be back with us very soon. Uh, we're thankful for him and the life that he le- leads, and we ask your comfort upon him and his family. Uh, also thankful for Sue and the report that she got. Um, good that the um, uh, PET scan came back stable, and uh, at least her condition has not wor- worsened in those regards, so we uh, give, you, give you thanks for that as well. Uh, we're also mindful of Gary tonight. Uh, and heart condition that he has and we pray for his uh, surgery that it go well and that uh, he and sandra can have peace during this time and that his, his recovery will go smoothly uh we're also mindful tonight of jewel i pray that uh, the, the test that she had uh, the results come back and they be um uh, um, uh, 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 a good report that she has a good report rather from those results and we pray that uh, she can find some rest and be comforted in this time as well um also mindful tonight of um, Patrick um, and the injury that he has suffered, but even the uh, severe COVID symptoms that he is suffering from, we ask your blessings upon him and that he can be restored to, to a good walk of health and that his faith can be strengthened in, during these times as well. We're also mindful of Joel and the cancer treatments that he is undergoing. We pray for him and for that recovery as well, if, if, if it is within your will. Uh, also mindful about Christina. Uh, saddened by the news that the radiation treatment did not seem to help. We do pray that uh, um, her spirits can be uh, lifted up and that uh, she can still have hope within her and that uh, uh, her faith will not waver in in, in these challenging times. Um, We're also mindful for for Pamela and whatever is causing her to be hospitalized. Uh, We pray that... uh, uh, she can also have a, a quick recovery and find find your strength in this time as well. Uh, we're also mindful of Phyllis, um, and she's got the upcoming surgery. Hopefully she will not suffer from too much anxiety or worry about that coming up event coming up. And we do pray for her and for her uh, uh, strength and comfort as well. Um, and then also we pray for Karen, who was just recently diagnosed with lung cancer and soon to undergo surgery for that. We again pray that uh, a good result can come from that. Uh, so many that we have to mention tonight. I know there are many more that could be mentioned, but we ask your blessings upon each one of these. Uh, and all of these things, we we know our desired outcome, but we trust that your will will be done 
that each of these people can find a way to uh, uh, grow in faith and to give you glory, uh, no matter what their individual circumstances are. Uh, we give you thanks that all, all for all that you have provided us, and we ask the ask, ask for these blessings in the name of your Son. And amen. Amen. Sir, yes, sir. Thank you. Yep. Um. Yep. Okay. Let's see what else we have. Oh, hold on. On the YouTube side, we have a twenty-dollar super sticker from Phyllis. Thank you, Phyllis. You know, we changed over here to to restream from Streamyard, and the other night, somebody I think it was Hey gave a super sticker, and I thought she typed in the weirdest message after the super sticker. And for the life of me, I could not make out what she was trying to say to us. And then when Phyllis put it in tonight, I figured out what Restream does. It gives us a text description of what the super sticker is. <laughs> so I was trying to read the, the text description. <laughs> so now I know. Now I know that's actually doesn't actually put the sticker up there. It just describes. <laughs> so. I, wow. life of me, I couldn't figure out what Hay was trying to say. It was like, what in the world? It was about a pair or something. She was like, oh, okay. Now, now I understand. Anyway, thank you for that, uh, Phyllis. Uh, we also got Larry with a uh, $20, uh, oops, $20 super sticker or a super chat. Thanks, Larry. Uh, and also Hay with another 1999 uh, super sticker. Thank you, Hay. And here we go. Um, give me a second here. Give me a second here. I was slow on the upload here, man. I, I, I took too long. That's here cool. we go. All right, here we go. Wow. All right, we got Ann with uh, 47 stars. Thank you, Ann. Got Douglas with 50 stars. Thank you, Douglas. We got uh, Patsy with 50 stars. Thank you, Patsy. Got Philando with 50 stars. Thank you, Philando. Uh, Sobrono with 100 stars. Thank you, Sobrono. Got uh, Claudette with 200 stars. Thank you, Claudette. Valletta with 500 stars. Thank you, Valletta. And Cindy with 1,200 stars. Thank you, Cindy. Sir, yes, sir. Well, appreciate that. Uh, uh, we all all y'all's support and help tonight uh, was very much appreciated. Um, and I think that's about all we have. Uh, Friday, of course, uh, I am off on for off on Fridays, as you know, for from the deep end. So uh, I think the first thing we have tomorrow is uh, is the connect, and uh, it is a one of our uh, panel discussions. So we have. Currently scheduled, if everybody's still able to make it, it's me and Eric, and then it is Joshua Cantrell, Stephen Ford, uh, Cameron Freeman, and Eric Garner, I believe. We'll all be in the room together. Um, and we are going to be discussing, Eric? The church. We will be talking about the church. Okay. And that's where we will start. We're going to talk about the importance and the marks and identity of the church and all that stuff aren't we yes we, 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 we probably cut we, some of the challenges yeah that's we can probably finish all that up in an hour what do you think 
don't feel like it's going <laughs> to spill over pretty quickly. Feel like that. Feel like that one might uh, might spiral for a little while. All right, we'll do it. We'll do it. But that's what we got coming up. So tune in. I'll, I'll try to get the post out since I know the topic and speaker and all that. So I'll try to get that out, out as early as I can in the morning. And uh, it would be a good one to uh, uh, share around. Um, and uh, I know a lot of people would be interested in it. So I'll try to get it out early enough so y'all have the opportunity to, to promote it and maybe get some people to come here and see it. So with that being said, uh, do you got anything else? Uh, no, I do not. All right. Well, let's go ahead and wrap it up for tonight and we will see you lord willing back here uh tomorrow night for the next edition of the connect meeting and until then as always it is my prayer our prayer that you will go out and make your day a great one for god have a good night everybody